the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is a pre-recorded show. Welcome to a special Christmas Day edition of the Roger Franklin Williams Show on AM 950 and FM 94.9, The Answer. Hello, friends. Merry Christmas and welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Friends, it's special to be able to join you today. We are actually joining you on Christmas Day, and I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to join you on this special, wonderful day. We have a little bit different show today, and of course, uh, as you know, the Roger Franklin Williams Show is a program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country, and of course, one of those major, one of the biggest of those is our celebration of Christmas. And so that we're going to have some great guests today. In fact, uh, in just a moment, we'll be joined by Derek Hicks of Thompson Jewelers. And then later in our show, we're going to speak with um, a guest that we were able to catch up with um, on our Talking Old School show earlier this year uh, and reconnect with uh, Harmon Wages. Of course, many of you remember Harmon Wages as uh, a record-setting running back for the Atlanta Falcons. In fact, he had one of the greatest days in NFL history on December 7th, 1969. Um, but he, and, and some of you old school Gators like myself will remember the days he was a backup quarterback um, to Steve Spurrier at the University of Florida. But before we go to, to Derek Hicks, I do want to give a special shout out to our friends over in our, our presenting sponsors over at Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. And of course, as many of you know, most of you know, Christner's is a perfect place to spend any special occasion and especially a great place to go during the holiday season, Christmas holiday season. And I do want to let you know that that, uh, Christmas is, of course, now taking reservations for their New Year's Eve celebration, um, New Year's Eve reservations. But right now, let's go to Derek Hicks, president of Thompson Jewelers and, of course, regular contributor to our program. Derek, it's great to speak with you, and uh, thank you for being able to, to be a part of our special Christmas Day program. Well, Merry Christmas, Roger, and Merry Christmas to all your listeners. Uh, exciting, incredible day today as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus. So thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I thought it was very appropriate for a lot of different reasons, um, but one of which is the, you know, the great work that you do at Thompson Jewelers and have done in Central Florida, specifically Orlando in Central Florida since 1948, uh, helping people uh, have, have a very bright Christmas day with some of the, the wonderful gifts that uh, people can buy at uh, gifts of jewelry that our listeners and, and citizens all over can, can buy at Thompson Jewelers. Well, yes, again, uh, yeah, we, we love the community and we love our customers and all our listeners. They, uh, I just can't tell you how many times uh, you come in, we talk about it, you become friend, family and friends, uh, so many of our listeners that come in and so many of our customers. We sure appreciate all of them. And I'm sure, um, oh, I know, we know for a fact that there are quite a few 
uh, people out there um, who have opened their gifts this morning, and there's something uh, under the tree from Thompson Jewelers. So I know that you brought a smile to many, many, many of our listeners across Central Florida, as well specifically on this Christmas morning. And yes, Roger. Yes, again, what a what a great gift jewelry is, and it's something if you open it up today on Christmas, it'll just be something special and. And hopefully you just love it and you can wear it for years to come. And always remember this special Christmas day that you got that special uh, piece of jewelry from someone you love. And today, you know, I, we, a lot of times, pretty much almost every week, we talk about the issues of the day and current events and political issues. And, you know, I, ideally, I mean, today, you know, and of course, we'll talk about some of those today on our show as well, most likely. Uh, however, I, you know, m- much of the news, as we all know, um, particularly really going back the last couple of years um, it, it has, is, is negative and, 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 and frankly depressing to a, to a large extent, uh, particularly the, the, the radical cultural changes that, that are, that are taking place in, in our country. And yeah, you know, I, I ideally, hopefully this will be a little bit more of an upbeat, hopeful program today. And uh, which is perfectly appropriate because that's, you know, the core of of Christ uh, of, of of the Lord sending of G, of of God sending Christ to to um, to come to Earth and and to be with us and ultimately to die for our sin, uh, but it's all about uh, bringing hope uh, and joy for the future. So um, no matter how things how bleak things might seem for a variety of different reasons, uh, one thing that we know is that that Jesus wins in the end. Amen to that. Yes, we're we're on the winning side. If you know the Lord, you're on the winning side. And yes, we do win at the end. And again, when you talk about Christmas, you know, Christmas is, uh, that was the birth of our Savior, you know, over 2,000 years ago. Celebrating Christmas actually kind of started where it was across the whole country. America basically started where that it, we celebrated the birth of Jesus across the whole country. And actually, uh, a country, uh, Ulysses S. Grant, uh, I think it was in 1870, was made it a federal holiday. I know other country had ever uh, made a, a religious event a federal holiday. So that's what we did at Christmas. And as you know, the White House uh, does Christmas decorations, and we like the Christmas trees. And so it became such an incredible event that the whole country celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, again, I always get so fired up about even the secular stations. A lot of times we'll play Christmas songs, and they talk about the birth of our Savior and our King, and, and it just makes me so happy and, and brings so much joy to me, and I know it does to so many other believers. Thank you for sharing that, and I'd just like to, to, to add to the same thought, and that it's so true in that, and you know, and obviously as we've come to know, pretty much every good thing um, the left in our country um, is it comes along and tries to besmirch it or, or or even destroy it or denigrate it. And of course, as we all know, that's been the case with Christmas. I don't know how long that goes back. It certainly intensified uh, several years ago. I think, however, um, you know, one one victory, at least from my perspective, at least that has been uh, we're in the process of are, are people who so celebrate Christmas, regardless if they are, are religious or even Christians, but uh, uh, celebrate Christmas have pushed back uh, against the trend to eradicate the, uh, you, know, you know, the phrase Merry Christmas or eradicate celebration of specific um, celebrations of Christmas, such as the wonderful hymns um, that, that are sung and a big part of our culture. So, um, so that, that, that's a, that's a great point that and the point that I want to make there is that Christmas um, is such a big part in addition to being 
the extraordinary religious holiday that it is, you know, the birth of the Christian of our Christian Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who came to bring hope uh, to, to mankind, um, peace on earth, goodwill to men, is that Christmas is also a cultural holiday, and technically, as you said, it, it's an actual national holiday. So many of the people that celebrate Christmas and find great joy in, in, in doing that um, are not are not necessarily Christian, but but the celebration of Christian of Christmas specifically is is just a big part of American history and American culture because of the themes um, that that are, are associated in addition to the birth of Christ, but the themes that come along with that, like hope for mankind, joy, um, you know, uh, uh, positivity. As I said, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Uh, you know, uh, hope that mankind w- will have better days in the future, that we, we will uh, get along better, that uh, all these kinds of things. And then, of course, all the things that come with Christmas, such as uh, spending time with family and friends and things like baking cookies and, and, and brownies and, and all, the, all the specific traditions that so many uh, different people have in their families and their lives. So it's, it, it's really um, an exceptional day, uh, Christmas is. Uh, it's an exceptional holiday and time of the year, and and it's and and we should all celebrate it joyously and and proudly. Gotcha. Well, you said exactly what Christmas is all about. I mean, whether you're a, a believer or not, it's Christmas is a time that we we just bring about the joy in our hearts and spend time with our family, and it makes us you know retrospect, look back on our lives, how we're living. Our comes to the closing of another year. What a better time than look back on the year and see how you've lived it and uh, you want to do better and be more successful and be a better person and a, a stronger person of faith. So Christmas is the perfect time for that as you get ready for the new year and make new year plans. So yes, Roger, well, truly is a special time of year. And it's kind of in our, our, my, our theme today of wanting to have more of an upbeat, uh, you know, uh, perspective as we close out this year and go into the new year, and that's what I'm personally uh, trying to keep focused on um, in the sea of negativity that's that's we're surrounded with now. And um, I even heard some negative, you know, some really crushing news you may have seen. I'm, I'll have to mention it in just a second since I brought it up. Don't want to harp on it, but today, but um, about the United States military uh, recently, uh, wokeness, uh, you know, incre- encroaching upon the United States military. I mean, but that kind of thing is now a part of our life. It's not just, you know, a news off the wall news story that comes along every several months or so. Um, now, now we're almost on a daily basis and sometimes multiple daily basis. Um, the, the, these, these radical society up, up overturning, uh, um, traditional America overturning things are, are coming down the pike from the left. So my point is, um, is is personally I'm focusing on using uh, helping to celebrate Christmas to think of all the many positives uh, in in my life specifically of course and in our country and and once you start doing that uh, you know we, we realize there are extraordinary positives uh, our family and our friends the you know the just the, all the all the many things that God has given us in, in a, such abundance in so many different ways and and also the fact that we even have um, still have enough freedom. Um, and still um, have an ability to to uh, continue to fight and advance um, those those principles in which we believe. So, uh, you know, I think that as we we end the year, as we get, as we celebrate Christmas uh, this year, I think there there, there, there are many 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 uh, hopeful reasons for hope. 
things that we can we can feel good about, be uplifted by. Um, and of course, as we said before, and, and we all know how how things are going to end anyway. With with Jesus wins, we win. Um, and so that that's kind of the spirit of a tone of, of in the and the theme of our program today. And, and and so happy to have you joining us to be a part of it. Oh yes, more than all those traditions. That's why I think it's so important to whatever tradition your family has started. I know some we have traditions that go back to great grandfathers and great grandmothers, and and I hope all of you have it. If you have that kind of tradition or start a tradition with your family, so that every Christmas they can remember that special thing, whatever you may do. And it, it builds an incredible memory, and uh, just always make sure that you uh, tell your family the reason for Christmas. Wow, so many times uh, Christmas gets so commercialized that we don't tell everyone the reason for Christmas, and many of our fellow citizens don't even know the reason for Christmas. So, uh, yes, it's important that we carry on that tradition of, of America, and, and especially Christmas in America. So many great songs and everything you mentioned. I can't tell you how much joy they bring to me when I hear some of my favorite Christmas songs. And I know that it does that to all our listeners. So yes, an incredible, incredible day today. Friends, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Roger Frank and Williams show and you're listening to our annual Christmas program. Please stay with us. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. While the merry bells keep ringing, happy holiday to you. Friends, welcome back to the Roger Frank and Williams Show. We're so happy that you're joining us today on today's special day and special program, Christmas Day, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we celebrate I hope that your Christmas season is going well and you're having a blessed, happy Christmas season so far. And I emphasize the word season because I have become in recent years, I guess maybe recent years, decades now, um, often get so overwhelmed uh, by Christmas and have a tendency to get frustrated by that, that um, it's hard to get everything just uh, on timed exactly right and and everything even uh, timed for Christmas Day. So you know, the bigger picture um if, if you really study the history of Christmas, it, it's actually a, a, the Christmas season, if you will. So um, I, I'm going to continue to celebrate Christmas uh, the next, uh, at least until the end of the year. And um, I'm re- looking at it from a, from a big picture perspective. So I hope that your Christmas season is, 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 is going well and is, is very blessed um, at this point and will continue to, to, to be. We're pleased to be joined by Derek Hicks of our friends at Thompson Jewelers joining us today. A little bit later, we'll hear from, Harmon Wages, former record-setting running back for the Atlanta Falcons back in the late 60s, early 70s, former Florida Gator, one of the more colorful Florida Gators. In fact, he has a brand new book out, The Butcher's Boy, which is his autobiography of his very interesting and, and colorful life. In fact, some of you actually will remember when he was after his career, and he became a huge star and celebrity in Atlanta, and he was the... Uh, the uh, the sportscaster at the at the major television station there, the leading television station in Atlanta for, for quite a while as well, and he's got a, had a whole career doing that, a colorful career as well. Um, 
and then one of one of the more handsome players, I'll say, both in Florida Gator history and, and NFL history. I think I can can say that pretty uh, with confidence. Um, before we go back to Derek Hicks, I want to, of course, give a shout out to our friend Dr. Patrick Saint Germain and all the great people at Saint Germain Chiropractic and Burn Fat Orlando. And as you know, they support our program and they support all the programs you hear right here on AM 950 and FM 94.9, The Answer, and our messages of patriotism and support for our free enterprise system and America's cultural heritage. Now back to Derek Hicks of Thompson Jewelers. Well, Derek, uh, you you meant that we uh, went into the last break and you were talking about how important it is um, for, you know, family to continue our, our our parents especially to help bring up their children and continue the 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 wonderful family trish, christmas traditions that so many people have in, in so many different ways um is there anything that you would like to share a, about your family that's a special uh, tradition or or a memory well you know what we do we usually always watch a lot of the old uh christmas movies we uh miracle on 34th street uh, it's a wonderful life. We we watch that a lot. We also uh, Charles Dickens, the Christmas Carol, Carol with uh, I think it's Alistair Stems back from the fifties. If you haven't watched some of these, they're just classic. They just make you feel so good. Sometimes it makes me cheer up, even though I've seen it thirty times because it's just so touching and and just that thing of faith and family are are tied in those old shows. And I know there's a lot of modern ones, but there's something about those old ones that bring back those old, kind of like we always talk about the founders, those old traditions, and uh, they're just so important, so maybe take a chance and, and uh, check out some of those. They're great, great movies, and again, songs too, some of the old uh, songs, uh, Silent Night and Holy Night, and there's just so many wonderful old uh, Christian-type Christmas songs that we just love, and we just sit quietly sometime and listen to those. And again, I think something different we've done for our Christmas with our families, instead of now that everyone's grown, instead of doing presents, we begin to say, we we'll always going to do something where we get together and do uh, an event, whether it's going to, this year we're going to go watch, uh, our family's going to spot tickets, we're going to go watch the Buccaneers play. Just something that we can always remember, because sometimes presents are fine, but, you know, after a day or two, sometimes people forget about presents, but you remember, you know, time spent together and events you did together. So I think that's an important thing, too, to do. Thank you for sharing, Derek Hicks of Thompson Jewelers. You know, and you're so right, Derek, and thank you for sharing some of your special family Christmas traditions. And, and I agree with you 100%. I always like to see as many of these these old uh, Christmas classic movies as I can. Um, and one thing that, once again, that I'm uplifted by and is is the the positive upbeat themes you know and 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 you know again once again without getting off on more than the negative tangent but you know there was a time in a, and and then this is culture this this is the american culture that that we grew up in fortunately and and it was really was a was essentially what what the real reality was in america for about 200 years um what were these kinds of respectful um programs that that respected the the cultural um important aspects of our of our country of our founding of our country of of what the country was all about the values of it such as the celebration of christmas and you ha- and ho- you had hollywood um you know the the esteemed directors and and screenwriters and actors 
uh, working together, the studios um, working together to produce these um, wonderful Christmas oriented uh, Christmas themed programs and the messages were all were always very you know, at the end very uplifting hopeful positive heartwarming even you know, even as you said even the point of tear jerking even uh, from a positive perspective and you know that's one thing that I I'm, I'm so happy that those still survive and and you know I, I enjoy watching them too and I, but I think it's important to to acknowledge that that was um, you know a, a, I think a a, a a special time in America. Um, you know, at that time, and, and also uh, you know, a time in our country where where our major institutions, such as even Hollywood, uh, had great respect for uh, America's cultural traditions, especially uh, including and especially Christmas. Well, exactly right. And uh, again, we've talked about the Christmas shows, but those old shows. I mean, I think your responsibility as a parent and a, a grandparent is to make sure, well, we watched a lot of the old shows that me and you grew up on. Uh, we, we watched, you know, Daniel Boone with Fess Parker with my sons, a lot of, in the Cheyenne, and we watched a lot of these old shows because, man, they taught, you know, character. It was amazing to watch some of the old shows, just like the Christmas uh, stories do. So it's important to bring back those old shows, and we miss them because I think people are so hungry for that character building. And, and I think that's why uh, Maverick, you know, the Top Gun movie, was the biggest movie, like one of the top ten movies now ever, I think, in America, because it actually taught character. It made America values. It made America look good. And people are hungry for that. They long for that so much. And the culture and the Hollywood doesn't deliver that so few of times that I think... You know what? And your kids and grandkids long for it, too. They may not act like it, but I guarantee if you sit down and you watch those old shows, it will have a positive impact on their lives. Absolutely. I love watching all of those. And uh, friends, you're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. We're so happy you're joining us on our special Christmas Day program. And we're very pleased to be joined by Derek Hicks, president of Thompson Jewelers and, of course, regular contributor to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And yeah, you're so right, and that's one thing that was a part of our growing up, Derek. And I, I suspect—I mean, you were kind of along the tail end of 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 that of that generation, right before things started, you know, getting off track and going in a different direction when things became darker and you know, and 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 or more negative, and you know, the um, you know the the bad guys, if you will, were were celebrated, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but anyway, yeah, and, and that was one thing that's a big part of, of my upbringing. I, I think it's very very um important and it was very influ- influential in that as you said the popular television shows and then back in, in our day there were there were a lot of westerns you know <laughs> uh, which were great and, and ultimately the, the 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 heroes if you were were the good guys and i remember specifically like bonanza i used to love watch bonanza in fact it's still on and, and thank you know, there are cable networks where you can get most of these shows there's a network called grit uh, that a lot of my friends watch um, that you can get bananas and a lot of these old Western shows, but you know, the Cartwrights were the good guys, you know, and, and, and every, every episode, they were always the guys that came along and there would be conflict. There were bad people, bad things happened. People got shot. People got, got murdered, got killed. Um, but, but the Cartwrights came along and, and at the end they were there to, to basically save the day or, or the, in fact, I remember, I can think of specific episodes of Bonanza where the Cartwright boy is somebody who would be uh, getting like an immigrant person or, you know, uh, you know, somebody who wasn't the very successful or whatever. 
was getting picked on or, or abused or your bullies were picking on a, you know, a, a, a farm widow or something like that. And, and the Cartwrights were always there to stick up for the underdog, you know, and, and take up for them and, and use their strength and their power uh, to, to set things right. And, and if that was just a, 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 an integral part of the fabric of America at that time. And it, it, obviously it's not now. In fact, it's just the opposite. And, and that's something that we, we really have lost. And I think that, uh, yeah, that, that we should do our best to try to get back, and which is kind of a part of the motivation of this show, actually, in a small way. Well, yeah, so I love Bonanza, too, and yes, I watch that. And again, I'm telling you, there's a lot of, like, there's the Family Network, there's Meet TV, there's a bunch of stations now. Actually, a couple of those stations, I think it was Gunsmoke and Cheyenne, actually had more viewership than CNN. I saw that it was a month or two ago which I thought was wonderful. Now, now that is uplifting and hopeful. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's why I think Maverick was so popular because there are people just hungry. They want to be uplifted. They want to see a hero. That doesn't mean they're perfect. That doesn't mean they don't have flaws. But like you said, they know the difference between right and wrong. They know the difference between a real man and a real woman. And they want to, you know, back in the day, Everyone tried to be like that person. They wanted a kind of a hero like that. We saw it in your old school band. Wouldn't you want to be like, wanted to be like Roger Staubach, Captain America, not only because he was a great quarterback, because he was a man of great character, or Walter Payton, an incredible member sweetness. And that's what we wanted to be like those, not because just of their incredible athletic success, because they were men of strong character, and you wanted to be like them, and you were your dad or granddad said that's the person you should be like. Absolutely well said. And as we go to our, our next break, uh, yeah, one of those, for me, in terms of the Westerns, it was Clint Walker, the hero of, of Cheyenne, the central figure in Cheyenne. And I uh, you know, wanted to grow up to be just, just like him. But, and, and you're so true, and that's something that, 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 that there's still a flicker of that around, and we need to do whatever we can to keep, uh, keep it going and, and, and expand upon it and, uh, and hang in there until you know, the next wave comes along, just like the Great Awakening came along uh, you know, b- b- back in the day, uh, back around the seventh, 16th, 17th century. So, well, well, Derek, it's been, uh, once again, a joy to have you joining us, and I especially want to thank you for joining us on today's uh, special Christmas edition of the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Thank you, Roger, so much for having me, and Merry Christmas to uh, all your listeners, and just have a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful New Year's with all the people you love. Thank you, Gary Kicks, and Merry Christmas to you and, and your family. Friends, we'll take a quick break. We'll get back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show Christmas program. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Hang on the mistletoe. I'm gonna get to know you better. Friends. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to be with you today as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and celebrate that in wonderful fashion. I hope that far of your Christmas season is happy and blessed. You're having a blessed Christmas season, and especially want to thank you for joining us today on our special program. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Derek Hicks. 
regular contributor and president of Thompson Jewelers. In just a moment, we're going to go to Harmon Wages, of course, Harmon Wages. Many of you will remember Harmon Wages for his record-setting career as a running back with the Atlanta Falcons, and some of you old-school Gators like myself will remember him from his days at the University of Florida. Before we go back to before we go to Harmon, I do want to let you know and give a shout out to our friends, our special friends over at Sheeler Auto Repair. They've supported our program since day one, literally, and that's over 20 years ago. And of course, I want to let you know that if you have any kind of car related problem or issue, I urge you to get over to see Demetrius and Odysseus at Sheeler Auto Repair. And they're, of course, at 1908 South Orange Foster Trail in Apopka. And I want to give a special shout out to our friends. Over at Miller's Side Sales, Miller's Side Sales can help you green up your life. You can find out more about Miller Side Sales at John Miller Trucking and Side Sales.com. That's John Miller Trucking and Side Sales.com. And Miller family wishes everyone a Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. Now let's go to Harmon Wages, record setting running back with the Atlanta Falcons, former Florida Gator quarterback. And now author of the brand new book, The Butcher's Boy. Harmon, it's great to have you joining us on our special Christmas program. Yeah, I kind of wanted to uh, connect with some guests that had really been special over the course of this year. And and you're certainly one of those. I really enjoyed reconnecting with you this year and and having you share with our listeners. And and look forward to having you share again today. Well, Roger, I'm glad to be here. Merry Christmas to you and all your fans that are listening out there. Merry Christmas. And yours as well. Now, and why don't we start, uh, just give us briefly, and I know you told us before, but we have new listeners every single week, uh, just a okay. little bit about your brand new book, The Butcher's Boy, and, it, and if I'm not mistaken, it, it's uh, our listeners can, can buy it right now, correct? Well, not exactly right now, probably about a week from now, maybe the 29th, the 28th, 29th of Christmas, it will be on Amazon.com, it'll be on BarnesandNoble.com, and it'll be a Kindle. But as far as being out in the book stands, I think it'll probably be another week after that till we get everything out. It's called The Butcher's Boy. The reason is because my father was a butcher. He was a real meat butcher. It's not a murder mystery or anything like that. It's just about me being born. And I, my editor said not to say this, but I think it's important. The first six words of the book, Roger, are, I was a black market baby. And that starts the beginning of my life history because I was adopted and I was a black market baby. And a lot goes into that, how that happened. Then as I go through life, I grew up in my dad's grocery store. So I love to do grocery shopping, which I've done today, because I just like it because I grew up in a grocery store. And then I went to the University of Florida after high school, played with Spurrier, which means I didn't play a whole lot. And then my senior year, I got hurt, didn't play but one game and a half. Then I walked in with the Atlanta Falcons, which we've talked about before, and had a great day on Pearl Harbor Day, which was just a couple weeks ago, the celebration of it, December 7th. So on December 7th, 1969, I had a day for my father. It was the last game he was going to ever be allowed to see in person because of his heart. Smoke Lucky Strikes, you know, and let Chesterfield and all that. And so that was the last game he was going to see. And in that game, well, you know, we'll get to that in a minute, but it was quite a game for me, the last game my dad saw. And 
The great story about that, Roger, is my dad comes up to me after the game, and he calls me Sonny Boy. He always called me Sonny Boy. He said, Sonny Boy, I didn't know you could do that. And I didn't either, but I did. And uh, dad's buried with the game ball, Roger. It's an amazing story, you know, from the, our conversations that we've had, and as well as my own memories and recollections, because I actually remember your your entire career very very well. I was a passionate Florida Gator fan back in those days, and you were. Um, I was in fourth grade, your senior year at Florida. I mean, your fifth grade, grade. You fifth, were just fifth, fifth grade, actually, <laughs> fifth grade. Um, yeah. So I remember your your. Florida career very well. You were, you know, even though even even the days when you were a backup quarterback to Steve Spurrier up through your junior year, you were a high profile player for a variety of reasons at Florida. Um, and, and then, of course, um, you know your entire career. And then you know, really enjoyed watching you uh, with the Atlanta Falcons when you kind of reemerged, if you will, um, as a running back, not a quarterback, but as a running back in the NFL yeah. and became a starting running back and a record setting running back and had one of the great days. NFL history, actually. So I've I've always enjoyed um, I enjoyed watching your career, and then you know it's been great to have you join us on, on our program, and I'm really happy that you can share you know these these colorful and uh, very interesting and you know even up and down experiences with our listeners. And and now I would like to ask you about that specific day, um, December seventh, nineteen sixty nine, and it's literally one of the one of the most, um, best performances in NFL history. And what I mean by that, you scored a touchdown three different ways. It's called the NFL hat trick. Uh, it was most recently done, I believe it was by McCaffrey uh, in, in uh, earlier this season. But um, the only single digit, when you did it, only a, a very few people had ever done it in NFL, and still single digit uh, numbers have, have, have done the NFL hat trick. But you had uh, with something like an 80-yard, 80 uh, 80-something-yard um touchdown run you had if i'm not mistaken a 66 yard reception which was mostly a run it was a shorter pass and he ran most of the 66 yards and then you and, and before the game was over you actually had a through a touchdown pass on a on a you know, halfback uh you know, you know pass play can you and can you just tell us about first of all those those, those three touchdowns and, sure. and and the backstory but behind the, the day that you uh, achieved the nfl hat trick Okay, it's really a good Christmas story, you know, it really is. My mother said she didn't call Van Brocklin, but I don't know how he knew. Because on the Wednesday before the Sunday game on Pearl Harbor Day, December 7th, Norm said in the huddle, Van Brocklin, gentlemen, today, he called his ladies too sometimes. <laughs> gentlemen, today we're putting a game plan in for Leon. Leon is my daddy's middle name, first name actually. And so we put in a game plan. And in the game, I first I threw a 16-yard touchdown pass, the running back pass, to Paul Flatley, 16-yard touchdown. Then in the second quarter, I went out one-on-one with the linebacker, kind of elbowed him in the chin to break his stride, got ahead of him and caught an 88-yard. Threw it from the 12. I caught it at the 50 right in front of Jim Taylor, who was with the Saints at the time, and ran the rest of the way for an 88-yard score, which was a record. And then I went over to Van Brocklin, and when the guards pulled on a sweep, so a tackle would chase the, chase the guard. The job of the fullback is to cut the tackle so he can't do it. But he was reading Andy's knuckles, and I couldn't get to him. So I told Van Brocklin, I can't get him. I can't get him. He's reading Andy's knuckles. So he said, well, this time just give the ball to Harmon. They don't tell anybody. Nobody knew it but myself and the quarterback. 
Bob Barry. So the, both guards pull at the Green Bay sweep. The tackles chase the guard, and I went right up the hole, 66 yards <laughs> for a touchdown and a record. At the time, the longest run ever. The pass was the longest reception ever. And now, and still, still now, 103 years later, the hat trick has only been done 10 times in the NFL's 103-year history. So my daddy comes up to me after the game, tears in his eyes. Like I said, he's buried with the game ball. Amazing story. Thank you for sharing it with us, friends. We're True speaking story. with Harmon Wages. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, since it's Christmas, too. I mean, I'm not a Tebow, but I am religious. But I mean, I prayed all week long, Roger, all week long. I was on my knees, and I'm saying, not for me. I don't care about me. I care about my daddy. See, being adopted as I was, he gave me a home. And so I did it for my dad. And the prayers were answered because I'm not that fast. I'm really not. My roommate was an Afro-American, Kenny Reeves. And he says to me, son, there's some bro in you somewhere. The white boys ain't that fast. That's just a fact. There's bro in you somewhere. <laughs> so we had a lot of laughs about that. Kenny Reeves is my best friend. He's a defensive back for the Falcons out of Norfolk State. Well, I mean, I would add that, that you are, you know, I wouldn't uh, you know, under, uh, sell yourself short, though, because, I mean, uh, you are very fast. You're an outstanding runner. In fact, uh, one thing, as we've talked about before, that I just learned recently, even though I did follow your career closely at Florida, was in the 1966 uh, Florida-Georgia game, which, of course, has now become famous, if not legendary, because right. that, that was a game where Florida could have clinched their first-ever SEC championship, and the Georgia you know, beat the Gators you know, quite badly that day. In fact, that's the... The game that you know Spurrier often often talks about is, I guess, is his inspiration, if you will, if if yeah. you want to use that term for wanting to beat Georgia so bad as a coach, and and what he used as his fuel, um, you know, to hang fifty on them and then all that kind of thing. Um, so that was that game that that where all that 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 fire came from um, and revenge motive for for Spurrier, as legend has it. Um, I've even heard him talk about it. Um, but anyway, in that particular game, virtually nothing went right for the Gators. But one thing that did go right was you uh, had about a ninety yard touchdown. Uh, I mean, not a touchdown, but a ninety-yard kick. You were you were actually returning kicks as a backup quarterback, and you uh, returned a kick about eighty-five or ninety yards. Yeah, I did, and I would have scored, but I ran out of gas because <laughs> I wasn't in shape to play halfback where you can run all day like I did with Atlanta. I was in quarterback shape, but I still returned kickoffs. So I got a good block or two, three or four. I broke loose, and I I tell you, Roger, I would have scored, but I just ran out of gas about the ten-yard line. And the pursuit, these defensive backs, they put all their you know, DBs on kickoff covers. They called me from behind. If I had been in Falcon shape like I was with that day, nobody would have called me. That's the true story. I mean, I just, I just ran out of gas. And then I don't know. And they called me. Yeah. But it was the way. But still, I have returned kickoffs. And, and, it was fun. And the way the – Things went for the Gators that day. They didn't even get points out of it. But um, but I don't yeah. know, I don't know if this guy was actually uh, one of the ones that, that got you. But you know Jake Scott, you know the, the the former Miami Dolphin player from the undefeated Dolphins was was on that Georgia team. If if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he was Jake number thirteen. I remember him well because Jake and I got to know each other because I was you know living in Atlanta and I'd run into him in Atlanta when he'd be in town from Georgia, and we used to kid each other quite a bit. And I remember Jake took a cheap shot at me, not to hurt me, but a cheap shot. I'd, I'd go back and I'd go hit him, bump him from the back once in a while. I'd say, could have hit you, could have clipped you, Jake, could have clipped you, could have taken your knees out. And he'd come up to me a little bit later and say, could have hit you too, you know. 
So we, it was fun talking back and forth because a part of Georgia game, it's a rivalry, and you really want to play good, and you want to you want to go after each other. But there's still friends that you make when you play Georgia. Great insights. We're going to go to our next break. When we come back, we'll continue to talk with Harmon Wages on the Roger Franklin Williams Show Christmas special. So please stay with us. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's a special joy to be with you today on Christmas Day. And I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you right now. We're speaking with, have a special guest. It was great to have another special guest earlier, Derek Hicks, president of Thompson Jewelers. Right now we're speaking with Harmon Wages, record-setting quarterback, running back for the Atlanta Falcons, late 60s, early 70s, former Florida Gator quarterback, and also author now of the book, The Butcher's Boy, which chronicles his life in football and off the field, his later career in acting the broadcasting industry and his, his life as well. Before we go back to Harmon Wages, of course, I want to give a shout out and a thank you to our friends over to Popka Moore and Equipment Repair and thank them for all the support that they give to us and also their support of a Popka Blue Daughter football broadcast and let you know that Popka Moore and Equipment Repair wishes all Roger Frank and Williams show listeners a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And also want to let you know that give you these words from Vito and Rhonda over at Network Sound and Video and Network Sound and Video wishes all of our listeners to have a, a blessed Christmas and a wonderful new year. Now let's go back to Harmon Wages, author of the book, The Butcher's Boy. Now Harmon, I'd like to, going back to the story of your um, record setting, uh, you know, historic, more than record setting, record setting and historic because some of the runs you, some of the plays you made were records uh, for the Atlanta Falcons at that time. Um, but go back to such as the 88 yard touchdown reception. But um, the, the the part that, that coach Norm Van Brocklin plays, because, you know, from what you've shared about the story, I think the, the image of, of, Norm Van Brocklin isn't really consistent with, with you know, a, a coach or a man that would that would you know, kind of help to orchestrate uh, you know the the the, the day that you had uh, f- from a game plan perspective uh, as the head coach. And what I mean by that is is certainly the stereotype that that I've had all these years of of Norm Van Brocklin um, is a crusty, you know, curmudgeon, um, in cases verbally abusive. Uh, you know, old school cigar chomping, cigarette smoking, um, harsh, uh, brutal football coach. You know, in, in fact, specifically, I think it's well known that you know he was the coach uh, of Fran Tarkenton uh, back in the early you know when Minnesota Vikings were an expansion franchise, and ultimately that I mean that was uh, a, became a bad relationship, and ultimately Tarkenton even refused to play for him. So um, anyway, that's not so. It's not all a, a, a image. It's there's there's some meat there too, but. Can you yeah. talk about your talk about the Norm Van Brocklin that you knew and and that element of his personality that that you know led him to 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 help orchestrate your your wonderful day? Okay, Norm Van Brocklin is a fiery coach. He won the NFL championship in 1960s. Quarterback for the Eagles. He's a no nonsense guy. 
Now, we played St. Louis. We lost five starters in the game. Prophet, Tommy Nobis, and a few others. I mean, all pros. You know, after the game, Norm, and I had a pretty good game. After the game, he was into the Bloody Marys pretty good. And uh, he came and said, I want to talk to you now. And I said, all right, let's go. So we walked in the bathroom. He grabbed me. He started shouting at me. And he pulled me around. When he did, I just slugged him and hit him. And he fell over into that stand-up latrine. And I, just, I wish I'd flushed it, but I didn't. And so anyway, I helped him up. And I said, get off, Norm. I'm tired of it. And what it is, Roger, is if you stand up to Norm, he respects you. And after that game, he never tested me but one time only when I had a Charlie horse. He said, why are you limping? What are you limping for? And I said something I can't say on the air about my leg. And he just laughed. <laughs> Norm will challenge you. Once you stand up to him, he respects you. So it took me a year and a half to learn that. So I stood up to him. We got into a little fisticuffs. And uh, everything was fine. He called me the next morning and apologized. And I just said, just stay off, mate. I don't like it. I'm a quarterback. Still a quarterback at heart. You don't yell at me. <laughs> and so we everything got along great, and he and I became good friends. His uh, daughter, Shelly, you know, here's another thing, Roger. What people don't know is Norm had a couple of kids. But then later, as coach of the Falcons, he adopted three kids who had lost their parents. Little Al, Shelly, and another one. And he adopted those three kids. And Shelly and I have long since cooked good friends on Facebook. We communicate. And so she knows the story. But Norm at heart's a good guy. You just have to stand up to him. Now, Fran got tired of it, and Fran had a lot of power as a starting good quarterback, and he helped get him fired. And they got Bud Grant, who was more of a subdued, quiet, but he looked at you and he seemed in business. But Norm came down, same stuff. If you stood up to him, he liked, he respected you, and he didn't bother you. So that was the way it worked with Norm. That's just the way he was. Great insights about an NFL legend, yeah. Coach Norman and Brocklin. In fact, Brand Brocklin's in both the NFL Hall of Fame and the College Football Hall of Fame, and, and he was justifiably so. And uh, as a quarterback, he was a part of two uh, NFL championship teams: one with the Rams, and then later with the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, well Herman, we've got just about five minutes to go, and it's been okay. a, real, a real thrill to have you joining us on our special Christmas program. I want to remind all of our listeners his, Herman's book, "The Butcher's Boy." will be out very, very soon, and I encourage you all to, 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 to get it. it. As you can tell, it's uh, going to be a very interesting read with a lot of very interesting and um, you know, unique stories uh, about Harmon Wages' life, both his career in football and off the field. Um, but right now, I'd, I'd like to have you share the story of how, because I think that's very, very interesting and also unique to you, you, uh, you know, another unique Harmon Wages story how you made the transition from a, you know, essentially a career backup quarterback at Florida um, to a, a starting NFL running back. And can you okay. uh, kind of briefly give us that story yeah. in about four minutes? Okay, when I was at Florida, Spurrier was better than me as a quarterback. So they moved me to running back, but I'm behind Larry Smith, who later became all pro with the Rams. So I'm behind Larry Smith, who's better than me. So, I mean... So I'm in a situation where they tried me at fullback, but they had Graham McKeel, you know, from down there in Lakeland. But Graham was an all-American blocker, and they needed a blocker for Larry Smith. So I really chose the wrong school, you might say. I thought I wanted to be a Gator, so that's why I went there. So when I went to Falcons, there was no Larry Smith. There was no Steve Spurrier. 
But the quarterbacks were better than me. They moved me to running back, and I found my way because I didn't have a Larry Smith in front of me. And it took me a year, Roger, to learn the trade of how to block Deacon Jones, Bubba Smith, Merlin Olson, his brother Phil Olson, some of these gigantic Turkey Jones and some of those guys. you got to learn how to block those guys. If you try to take them anywhere above the knee, they'll kill you. So what you do, you make them respect you because you tell them, I'm going to cut you. I'm going to cut you, and I'm going to hit you from the blind side. You make them think about it. So I told I mean, but Merlin, on the other hand, Merlin is just like he was on Little House on the Prairie. One day I tried to block Merlin over the Rams, and he gave me the limp leg, Roger, and I went sliding in the mud. And Roger, and Roger, true, he turns around and he says, may I help you up? And I'm going, uh, no, that's quite okay. May I help you up? This is Merlin Olson, man. <laughs> you think the Deacon Jones, he just destroy you. You know, but, and then Bubba Smith, Bubba, um, these are guys that are 6'8", 280 pounds and fast. So it's, um, it's a spiritual experience playing running back in the NFL. But you learn to block them. You have to learn to get in their way. And just if you can stay in their way and don't try to overrun them or overpower them, it's a finesse block. And that just causes them a headache by going low. If they don't step on you or give you a limp leg, they you, you have time for your guards to come around. Great, great insight. Thank you for sharing great insights. And then, one, for instance, obviously one thing that you'll get when you hear the read the book or get the book, The Butcher's Boy by Harmon Wages, his autobiography, is great inside stories like this and also fine points, the finer points of playing football. You know, and what Harmon is just sharing with us about his NFL career on the field between the lines are things that you don't, you're not going to hear any analyst talking about. You're not going to hear some you know, play-by-play or analyst talking about during a game or even any commentator on, on a commentary show. This is the way the game is played between the lines. So um, once again, it's, and it's great to have Harmon sharing these things with us on, on the Roger Frank and Williams show and in the book. Now, before we go we're down to about two minutes now, Harmon, but okay. Um, you, I, I, and once again, you're so humble. I, I do need to uh, step in for a second and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but no, you, you were, um, I think, a, I think the right word would be greatly anticipated a starting quarterback for a Florida. Cause you know, you, you were there behind Spurrier, of course, and he, you know, he's, he's a won the Heisman trophy, uh, yeah, your, 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 your junior year. So, um, there's no there's there's no shame in playing behind the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, that was your junior year, but then your senior year, it was I think it was was great uh, widely anticipated throughout Gator Nation at the time that, that Harmon Wages was the heir apparent, and um, you even played in the Orange Bowl game and threw a touchdown pass in the Orange Bowl game. Um, yeah, but but, but um, the thing is, Roger, I cracked my ankle two weeks before the opening game against Northwestern. Uh, a freshman, a little out of his mind, freshman, hit me after the whistle. Wasn't supposed to hit the quarterbacks, but he did. He hit me low, and he cracked my ankle. Well, actually, it was a severe, severe sprain. So I didn't get well until the seventh game against Kentucky, and they had Larry Rince and Ekdahl, and Rince couldn't do it. Ekdahl broke his leg, so they had no choice but to play me against Kentucky my senior year. And that's when I had a great game against Kentucky, threw two and ran two, and – you still there? Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay, Rince through to had a great game, but the next week they started Rince again because we're going to play Miami, and his uncle was on the Orange Bowl committee. But I wound up going in in the second half and playing and threw a couple touchdowns to Guy McFeeney. So it was just a matter of um, a lot of politics in college football. 
a lot of politics. High school football is fun, Roger. College football is a lot of politics. In the pros, it is hard, cold, blue steel business. Great. These, and these are kind of insights you're going to read in The Butcher's Boy, the, the book, book, the brand new book the out book. by. Yeah, The Butcher's Boy is by Stan Altry. It's edited by Martha K. Hunt, who's done books before. And this Martha Hunt does a heck of a job in the editing. We worked together for him for two years, and it's a really, it's a good book. It's not a sports book. It's a life book. It's all the stuff that I went through, and then a good advice for kids and everything as you go through life. We appreciate you joining us today on the Roger Frank and Williams Show tribute to Christmas Day, uh, Christmas special, and friends, thank you for joining us on this special day. Bless Best wishes for a blessed Christmas and a happy new year. Thank you, Roger. Merry Christmas, everybody. And may all your be one. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's Secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.